Welcome to the Savage Sonia Show, the place where those serious and sometimes stigmatised conversations take place. Please support the podcast on Apple Podcast and Spotify, as well as all major podcasting platforms. All of the sources will be linked in the description box down below and the links to some of the guests that I bring on to the podcast will also be in the description box. Today's episode, we have Michaela, who is passionate about empowering women to be the best versions of themselves. She also helps women to pursue their professional dreams in the workplace and further their careers. She helps women turn their big, audacious dreams into actionable goals so that they too can feel confident in themselves and truly go after it. Michaela believes that every woman should feel joy, fulfillment and happiness in their career and professional life. So thank you for coming on to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, Would you like to introduce yourself and what you do? Um, Yeah, sure. So my name is Michaela Contreras. I am Swedish, lived in uh, London and worked there for six years. But last year I relocated to Abu Dhabi. I um, have about 10 years of experience within the HR talent acquisition and talent development space. And um, last year, I decided to take that experience and start my own business within coaching, training and consulting. So currently, I have a program Mm -hmm. that is called From Dreams to Action, which is designed for women who want to find more fulfillment and joy in their career. Uh, Many times we get pushed into a career by circumstance, by external forces, by family pressure, or just because we don't really know what we want and we're finding ourselves in a career that makes us really unhappy. So this program is very much focused on helping women uh, find their desires, their values, their dreams, and work out a really concrete plan on how she can start making actions and take decisions that take her into the right direction. Yeah, that, that's really good. Um, could you tell me more about kind of like what inspired you as an individual to kind of pursue this coaching route? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in all my roles I had, both in Stockholm and in uh, London, I mm-hmm. I was in, in, in every capacity, even, even if I was a consultant, partner, advisor, I was always coaching, training and helping people. If it was candidates and clients or employees and managers, it was this coaching, helping aspect that I really, really liked. Uh, and so I had a coaching element uh, all through my career. And I decided that I want to 
uh, the, when I came home and I was really pumped and excited about work, that was when I had helped someone, when yeah. I had made a positive impact on someone's life. So I figured this is what I should do. I should like hone in on this particular area. And then when I decided what kind of niche I wanted to go down uh, as a coach, I draw from my own experience. So when I first, my, my early years in London, uh, when <laughs> I came to London, I was a bit overwhelmed. I didn't really know the city. Uh, English is not my first language. I yeah. didn't really know, you know, I was really just pushed into a role by a, a rec to rec kind of recruiter uh, and uh, and I ended up in a role that I was absolutely miserable in I was not happy there I was feeling really constrained I didn't feel I could be myself I was um not motivated and so it was really hard to perform uh, and mm -hmm. that made me really anxious that I wasn't doing enough so I couldn't sleep and it started to affect my mental and physical health so I've been I've personally been in a situation when I've been you know really locked into this uh, horrible working experience and so I want to my my ideal client is really a woman who is in that kind of situation now and doesn't really know how to get out of it. And um, so that's why I designed this program for, the, for those women. Um, so I can really use both my um, decade of experience in what I do and my personal experience to help her really find that route that um, gets her excited, gets her really happy and motivated. Um, so that is one of the things. Um, and then also why I focus more on women rather than both men and women is also because I've been working within you know the HR talent and recruitment area and I've seen so many situations where um we women we tend to undervalue ourselves ourselves yeah and it's so, so true <laughs> yes <laughs> and this is actually like there's so, so much research actually showing in that women consistently value themselves lower than the men do at work uh, yeah, yeah I think that's that's sorry to interrupt you but yeah, I think that's sure. really true I mean it, yeah. like in my culture it's always like a woman a woman who is uh very sure of herself and confident like myself is quite um intimidating towards to, to men and then if if it's the opposite it makes a man a man and I feel like as women we do always underestimate our talents and our skills yeah absolutely and we really do and and it's there are so many layers to this thing because we I think we are we also we also talk to be, you know, good girls and be in a certain way. And obviously this yeah. is based on thousands and thousands of years of the society looking very similar. And then about 50 mm -hmm. years ago, that, that started to change. So we're very much behind when it comes yeah. to, to um, you know, taking up a, a, a crucial role in, in the society how it looks today. And so um, we we have this constant inner critic that's saying that oh my god I'm too loud and I can't be if I'm if I'm if I take up much too much space or or if I'm too assertive I've been I will be called bossy or if I'm you know if I'm getting um showing emotion I'm gonna be called emotional and yeah and if I if I say that I'm an expert I'm going to be judged so we have all these things going on and. Um, 
and this is you know so this is very common and these are the kind of things that we we need to try to overcome but it's a it's a it's hard work and it's a journey um so that's one of the reasons why i'm really sort of focusing on on, on women in particular yeah um you you mentioned that you were from sweden right yes yeah so in sweden i know that um I think like the gender equality and opportunity is pretty equal, but it still isn't as equal as we'd we'd like it to be. How was it for you when you were growing up? Yeah, um, so I'm from the countryside um, and my parents uh, are, you know, none of them went to university. So when I grew up and I'm born in the 80s, uh, late 80s, so I grew up mostly in the 90s. So back then, even in Sweden, it was not very, not as equal as it is today. So if, if in my family, there were still quite traditional roles, you know, my dad was the one bringing in the money, my mum worked part time when we were small to be able to look after us. And when she went up to, to full time, when we were sick, there was always mum to, you know, leave, leave her work to come and pick us up from school or whatever. So Mm-hmm. I, I actually grew up in a not so equal, um, I guess, environment, and and it was the same. It was similar. It was not just my family; it was similar um, around me as well in in the nineties. But as I grew up, you know, Sweden became more and more equal. Um, and I remember when Sweden decided to, so Sweden has amazing package when it comes to uh, parental leave. And uh, what Sweden did, because they, they saw that more women, they took these long breaks from their career and then affected their, their status in the workplace. And they were like, well, there's actually, there are actually two people having a baby. So mm-hmm. the man needs to take more responsibility at home so women can get the opportunity to take more responsibility at work. And so what they did, and I can't remember the, the year, but I know this very, very clearly, when uh, Sweden introduced a new law saying that three months of that parental leave are earmarked for the, the dad. If the dad does not take those months, you will lose them. And, you know, it's very good conditions in Sweden. You get like 80% of your salary. So as a couple, you don't want to lose those months. So that that started to change the behavior Um in the Swedish families where the, the man started to go home and take, you know, the, um, pater- paternity leave and the, the women went back to work and they actually started to share the responsibility at home. And since then, um, nowadays, if you look, uh, look at my friends and, uh, in Sweden that have children, they split, uh, most of it 50 50, um, mm-hmm. which means that they take equal responsibility when having a child which give the, the mom more opportunity to go back to work and uh, focus, on, focus on her career as well oh, oh that's really good that's a yeah. really good like system that they have in Sweden I'm, I'm not sure what it's like in um, the UK but um, based uh, on your I go go on I think in the UK um, the dad has two weeks the dad has two weeks yeah. To take care of the children or? Yes, yes, exactly. By okay. law. Yeah. By law. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, based on um, your experiences, can women flourish in the workforce? And if so, how? 
Um, yes, I've, absolutely. Um, I definitely think that we have so much to offer and there is so much research that has showed that companies that have a, 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 a very uh, equal workforce are outperforming companies that doesn't. Um, so there is definitely evidence showcasing that companies really benefit from bringing in um, a more equal workforce in many aspects, not just women, but, you know, and a diverse workforce. And also women leaders um, um, are, so another thing that has been um, proven is that emotional intelligence is very, very crucial in leadership roles. So uh, leaders that have a high emotional intelligence uh, are, are, are very successful. And when it comes mm-hmm. to emotional intelligence, there are several factors within that um, sort of space and area. Women have higher emotional intelligence on all factors in that, except for one, than men does, which pr- it pretty much says, saying that women make better leaders. Yep. <laughs> so, so, so women can absolutely do so. And it's, it's a responsibility of um, the society, the company, the managers, the people around there, the, um, and themselves to, to, to make sure that that happened because they need to feel that it's a safe space to do so. But then also we need to work on ourselves to uh, get out of our shells and, and don't, uh, and, and uh, stop playing small basically because we, um, and that's hard <laughs> but it's yeah that we need to we need to practice we need to practice the co- discomfort a little bit <laughs> i mean um i i agree with what you were saying about emotional intelligence although i don't know the research behind it and i don't really have the statistics to kind of prove it but i i know that there are people who feel that because women are emotional they can't lead yeah exactly and I and it kind of um kind of goes into the next question that I wanted to ask you why is there a lack of female leadership in the workforce and do you feel women stop themselves from pursuing those managerial roles at work because of this or um so I think there are when it comes to lack of female leadership, I mean, it, it, I don't have any statistics around this, and this is from my own my own subjective experience and observations. Mm-hmm. But I I would say, I mean, first of all, biologically, um, if we choose to have children, we will have to take some time off because yeah. it's just the men can't have the babies. We we actually have to do it. So that uh-huh. will play, so that will play play a certain role. Obviously, you, you will have to take you will have to take a little break. Um, yeah, and that can sometimes um, you know that that can sometimes affect. I mean, if if you are in the same position as um, a man and you have the same you know the, the same the same role, and then you go home for nine months to look after your child and then come back, and then there's time to promote one of you. Mm-hmm. the man normally gets picked because he didn't take nine months off he has more experience because he has worked through those nine months and yeah fortunately like that that still happens and that is how it is and that's why we need to like really we need to review the system as it is because the system is built 
from from men. We have the same system, the same work system as we had 100 years ago when it was 100% men in the workforce. So we really need to innovate in how we do things to to be more inclusive i don't have the i don't have the answers here but we just need to we need to start looking at looking at at new ways of doing it but then another thing like in in terms of how women stop themselves yeah um, um if you look at middle management actually in most companies if you look at the western world um the middle management has quite a large percentage of women Mm-hmm. Um, it is when you're starting to get into the more top positions when um, the is it like C- CEOs and stuff? Right? Yeah, when that, we're looking at yeah. more director level, head, like some of the heads of director level, but middle management is normally fairly equal nowadays. The yep. problem is here is that um, again, and I think if we if, if 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 we refer back to the research that we consistently rate ourselves lower than men. Then, if we, when it's time to to do those employee reviews and stuff at work, and we put that in this, I've probably been a three out of five. In this, Mm -hmm. I might have achieved a four because we will always be very self-critical. And then your colleague is saying, "Ah, I did this five, 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 five. I've been absolutely smashing it." And it doesn't matter who, like, he might be overrating himself, and the woman might be true, but when it comes to promotion and then then if we don't rate ourselves as high as them then we can lose out on these opportunities um so again it it, it comes back a little bit to 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 that and also uh when you um we um we don't tend to go for roles as women we yeah. don't, we tend to hesitate to go for roles where we don't um, feel comfortable that we can actually deliver on each point. Whilst yeah. men tend to be a bit like, I'll work it out. <laughs> like I, yeah. I know I, I know 50% of it and the rest I'll 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 figure it out. And again, that's so if, if there is a promotion or internal role in a senior position coming up and we as women see that oh but I actually never I don't know, I've actually never um yeah if there's something in that in that that we feel like oh this we we never done this we might hesitate to actually uh, apply for this position whilst the man would probably go for it even if we feel that he he doesn't know everything so that will also show up in this so there are there are so many factors that can play into this and i think here we need to be more um we need to be aware of this as and especially as in a, when i was in talent acquisition I I went to um I went to a diversity sort of roundtable event and there were people yep. from Google, there were people from Lloyds Bank, there were people from you know all types of like talent acquisition partners from from all parts of uh, all types of businesses and we dis- we were discussing you know how can we make sure that we try to 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 give opportunities to everyone um, and there was an organizational psychologist there and he, he and he showed us data and research that showed that. If you present three candidates mm-hmm. and, two, and two of those candidates are similar and the third candidate is different. And th- so say that two of them are men and the third is a woman or yep. if uh, two of them are white and the third is black, then uh, subconsciously we will always pick one of the two similar ones. Yes. So, that means that the third person didn't even have a chance. However, if we introduce a, th- a fourth candidate in the shortlist, 
um, the, the, the likelihood of picking a more diverse force increased with, and I don't remember exact percentage, but it was like 70% or something. So having this research and knowledge from a, I don't know, from a recruiter perspective, from hiring management perspective, you can actually be better at introducing a, diff- a more diverse recruitment process that um, helps more women to get into those positions too. So there, there, are, there are multiple factors that can play into this. Um, but uh, this is this is more uh, related to kind of like the corporate world, isn't it? Because I feel like if you were to, uh, so obviously there is like this. No, it's not really a debate, but there's this sort of um, ambi- ambiguous feeling with regards to, um, you know, like cons- like builders and men who work in construction sites. Mm. I feel like we can only encourage women to such an extent because most of the manual labor is done by men, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I understand. So, yeah, so in in those kind of sectors, those kind of job sectors, I don't see the... I I understand the point and I understand the, the kind of, like, movement behind what feminists are doing but in those situations, I feel that it's obviously because men are obviously more stronger than women mm-hmm. in that regard, because, you know, biologically men are stronger. So in in those kind of job sectors, do you feel that it, it's it's not as ne- as necessary to kind of encourage women to work or or no? Um, <clears throat> I think they should have the choice, and I think this is the thing. Like we, it's about the uh, feminism is about equal opportunities, right? So yeah, it's just that if a woman applies, she has to uh, like she doesn't have um, things going against her because it's, she's a woman. And I think I absolutely agree with you. Maybe men and women are different, and that's yeah. good. Like we can bring different things, and this is why it's important to have both women and women in the workforce because we can bring different things and we will complement each other uh, so yeah and um, when it comes to to the physical strength yeah like certain role uh, certain roles and certain jobs is going to be really yeah more more difficult for certain women to do especially if you <clears throat> like me very short <laughs> <laughs> same here i'm so short <laughs> sorry I mean, this is we can't ignore that but um i actually worked i worked uh, a, a, almost a year in a very male-dominated uh, role uh, before I went to uni and my manager was she was um, a, a woman but every every else here this is this is like road construction sort of um, uh, industry and the rest of them were middle-aged men and this was a young yeah. woman in position and so it was an interesting dynamic um, uh, but but I definitely think that we need more women in you know, engineering roles and software development and that that sort of thing that is very heavily male dominated and could really benefit from more women. When it comes to physically heavy jobs, if a woman wants to do it and can do it, that obviously yeah. she should have the opportunity. But we we need to recognize that we have some physical <laughs> differences. Yeah, I mean things like and like um, you know like um, engineering and stuff. I think that some women are naturally more mathematical. Like 
do you, do you know what I mean? So they can do those jobs if given the opportunity to take that opportunity to actually do it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we I think both men and women, we have certain talents, but but equally, I think if we put our minds to to something, we can always learn it as well. And that goes for, for, for both genders, I believe. Like we can have a natural inclination in school, but I think if if we really would we would want to become engineers, if that would be, even though we would have to study a bit harder, I think if we want to do it, we can. But yeah, um, yeah, I I agree that um, if we women put um, our mind to something, we can achieve amazing things. And I also believe that um, in the same way that we want to encourage women to become engineers and to become, you know computer engineers and to develop apps and get into the world of technology I think that also there should be some encouragement from for men to get into uh, nursing positions and being teachers and you know jobs Mm. that are primarily women Mm. I think men if if men feel like they have the right personality and they enjoy taking care of others um and things like that I think that women I mean I think men should go for that too to kind of stabilize things that's obviously down to his choice absolutely I I agree with you and I think this is the thing like the patriarchy uh, society that we live in it doesn't benefit either gender you know, I guess it's also, I mean, there's a reason why in the UK, the, the, the primary reason, reason for um, male disease, uh, for, for, for death, the death of a man under, I think it is 25 or something in the UK, is suicide. Yes, yeah, suicide. Um, and, you know, that, that, is, that is horrible because that means that they don't, feel that they can be who they are they can't show the emotions that they're feeling because they would be called a you know really like bad names or you're not allowed to 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 to, to feel that way or be be certain way and you need to tough it out and those that, and, and that kind of society is just not beneficial for anyone so so you're, you're completely right it has to go both ways but I, I do believe that there is, um, I think maybe it's my own like Jordan Peterson coming out here, but I do think that there is a distinction between showing emotion and being vulnerable because I think emotions are fine, but you don't want to have these emotions control you, which tends to happen sometimes with both men and women. You know, like mm-hmm. when you're going through something really terrible and you can't think straight and your mind is erratic, um, it can hinder you. So I think vulnerability is good and there is a place, a time and place, and there are only certain people that you can be vulnerable with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know what you mean. Um, and, and yeah, absolutely. There's a time. The problem is that when we bottle up things, like when we are trying yeah. not to feel emotions, if we feel really angry at work, but we're swallowing it, if we mm-hmm. are feeling really sad, but we don't want to cry in front of others, so we swallow it. 
Uh, mm -hmm. And then at the worst possible time when something happens, we get a tantrum or we just yeah. can't stop crying. Uh, and, yeah. and that is it's not the appropriate time. But that is like, because we didn't feel that we could show emotions at the start and obviously showing emotions in a healthy way or, you know, if you feel sad, you know, just sit down on the sofa and cry and that's okay. If you don't know why you're crying, that's okay. But you just feel that you can do it. If you're feeling angry, like punch your pillow and let it out. Yeah. And, you know, it's it, instead of just swallowing it. And I think it's just important to recognize that if we feel emotions, like recognize them and let them out, but in a healthy way and yeah. not at the supermarket. Um, so, yeah. Like, but you. you know so I'm going to talk from kind of my experience so in my family most of the men don't show any emotion unless it's something very serious like someone passes away or uh, one of my relatives get ill or something happens like you know like really serious things but in general I'm I've never been and this is why I love talking to people from different um, ethnic groups because in my culture, the men don't really show any emotions. So you don't really know what they're going through mentally. Mm. And, yeah. you know, this whole idea of men crying, even I'm having difficulty in accepting that because I come from a culture where men aren't allowed to cry. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I and, mean, it's, and it's, it's a shift. I don't. I don't know if that's a toxic thing or if that's just the way um, my culture is. But I had a very difficult. Even to this day, I do have difficulty in accepting the fact that men have feelings. Mm. Yeah, and I think. Um, yeah, I think that's that's how it probably been in in, in many cultures and still are in many cultures. Um, uh, and men might show emotions in different ways uh, and mm -hmm. not, not always cry but uh, it's what you talked about vulnerability like if we can make sure that being vulnerable both for men and women that's okay if um, and I think again it's about feeling feeling that it's okay to talk about things yes. that, is, that is tough that is bottled up within you um you know that talking about your own insecurities you know how many times have you heard your dad talk about your um own insecurities i probably never i've never no, heard he doesn't. <laughs> my, my dad is um he's he's a very sort of he's gone through a lot because of his um divorce with my mom and um just so many things happened and he's now at this place where he is destigmatized by a lot of the things that happen in life so nothing really phases him even if I don't know I won I won the Oscar nominee or something or something amazing happened I don't think he would he's just so phased out by life um and I think that I think that he has gone through depression or he's gone through something but he's never had the courage to tell someone about it he's kept everything to himself and he really does bottle things up yeah and I think that's probably very common in our parents generation especially with men so I hope that we can create a better um, if we can try to, to shift that and allow people to talk more and be vulnerable and I think we're going to that, that direction I feel like more and more 
people and men as well are recognizing these things and are becoming better at it. Um, mm-hmm. So I think we're moving in the right direction, but I think it takes a lot of work <laughs> from many people yeah. to create this safety for everyone. Yeah. It's about creating that new paradigm because obviously we've always had a patriarchal system mm-hmm. and now I think the paradigm is more about choices and kind of a bit more about being human, like it's okay to cry and it's okay to not confine to these roles and definitions of what a woman should be and what a man should be. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember exactly the words, but I had a call. I'm on this group coaching program and we had a call last night and my coach said something and I can't remember exactly the words she used, but she said something around like, you know, we are in an age of emotions and, you know, vulnerability and connection. I think to really put connection in there, we're, we're a world of human, like we're in a time uh, uh, where human connection is 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 what we're talking about, you know, and yeah. we are, we used to be in a de- in time of data, but we have moved away from that. And we have moved into a time of human connection. And I thought it was so true. Like I, I, I feel that we are definitely moving towards that. And maybe the, the COVID crisis and the pandemic has m- pushed that even further because we are re- reevaluating um, what's important, I think. Yeah, I think that the the use of social media has also had its downfall because even though we're connected on a physical level, we're not really connected on a very kind of humanistic level. I agree. Yeah, we 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 have connections, but we are yeah. not connected. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, is it possible for women to find meaning in both their careers and family life, especially for women who has children? Um, so I don't have children. So obviously this is not a personal experience of mine, but I do have lots of friends who have children and a, a blooming career. So I could definitely say it is possible. Um, and I think the world um, is also moving in the direction where flexible working is more available, where mm-hmm. we understand that we we don't live to work, but we work yeah. to live. Um, so I think there is much more acceptance of a bit more flexibility and understanding. So, and I also again, yeah, I think that the men are stepping up and taking more and more responsibility. So it's not up to the woman to to juggle the family and career Mm -hmm. but it's a team effort Um, so and I think that's very 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 important because I think the women I know that can juggle both is because they have a they have a good support system around them and they have a good partner that they can share it with yeah it's so important to have a good partner if you do have children because it can really um, hinder you as a person and I think that is just a lot easier to I mean I my parents are divorced and I know for a fact that it was difficult for my mother to juggle work as well as um taking care of me and my brother but Mm. also I feel that um for the sake of the children 
I think it's good. It's it's good for adults to be responsible, both men and women in that department. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I really like what you said um, about living to work and working to live. You said something. Yeah. What did you say? Yeah, I think you said. Yeah, you, yeah. You live to work or work to live. Uh, and I think it like before, and I think in the US they still do this to a large part because they barely have any holiday. But it's basically <laughs> the, the, the work is everything, right? You expect it to come in on weekends. You work, uh, work very very late, uh, uh, and etc. But I think I think and I've experienced in especially both Sweden and London, and I do feel it's it's here in Abu Dhabi that also people are valuing their spare time a lot. And it's yeah. about finding that balance. It's all about finding a, a, a health, healthy dose, dose of both. I think if you didn't have to work, you become a bit like, so what's my purpose? I don't have a permission. But yeah. you want to do something, but you want to do something that you are excited about, that you feel is fulfilling. You want to have a job that is um, getting, your, uh, getting you excited in the morning. Uh, but yeah. you, you also don't want to spend... 24 7 doing that because you also want to spend time with your husband your wife your children your friends you want to um go paddle boarding or whatever you want to do in this <laughs> <laughs> um, because you, you you understand that there are so many more aspects of life and i think we're moving away from that your value is your salary and your title but you're value- so true that is so true yeah, and your value now is actually having more of a f- fulfilled life in, in all aspects of life and having a strong health and mental and physical health is important. And I think we're becoming more and more aware um, of of um, of the whole, like a more holistic picture than we used to be. Yeah, so do you feel that it's like... Um because in Sweden you've mentioned about the whole uh parental laws around what dads and moms can do do you feel that more countries need to install that sort of balance between parents so like the mom can take time off but the dad can also take time off I think it's a very 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 important I mean I I I don't have children and I don't even know if I want to have children but um but uh, most couples do have children and so it does is it is a very very big aspect of many people's life and it will impact society in a very large way so I think looking at it there it's it's it does have a very large impact if I because I spent six years in London I've seen and I was (laughs) recruiting people I've seen plenty plenty of thousands of CVs (laughs) Uh, and um, you know in the UK in Sweden I've, I've, I've don't think I've ever met, like I basically never met a housewife. Um, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with housewives, but the society is built that more more women can have, you know, a both. They can juggle both. Whilst in, in the UK, um, if you look at childcare, I mean, in London, you have to pay £2,000 for for daycare and how oh, wow. and if someone if if your if your wife does uh, doesn't have a high salary it might not even be worth her going back to work because she would be more expensive to pay for that than her staying home and look after the children herself and that become and then that becomes a really 
you know, toxic cycle for the, the equality. Because if, if that is the case, because women normally uh, is the one that earns less money, she will naturally be the one that quits her job. And yeah, and so it becomes a really toxic cycle in that way. So I think having a social system or like a parental leave and a, a better health, like a better system in that way. In, in Sweden, you pay like 150 pounds a month for, the, for daycare. So you pay, oh, it's, wow. it's like a drop in the sea. So, um, so it's just this difference. Like what can you offer, what, how can you support families and especially new families um, in a way that, that makes it possible for both parties to, um, to be part of, of the workforce? Yeah, that, that's very interesting what you've said. Um, I do believe that there should be a, a new system in, in, in Britain when it comes to childcare and how couples juggle their work and uh, children, taking care of their children. But um, before we end this podcast, I'd like to ask you a few questions, if sure. that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the first one is, what is the name that you would give to this chapter of your life? So, what what would you call it? If um, yeah, it's a difficult one, and uh, it's difficult, but you know what? I think I would say sisterhood. Um, <laughs> That's nice. Because I feel like I've been this past year, I've been connecting with women all over the world in sisterhood and encouragement and support. And I'm also with my coaching and my communities I'm creating through my coaching program. I want to do the same as one of my missions in my coaching programs to create that sisterhood. Uh, and I think to move forward, we need to stop compare and um, compete with each other and judge each other. And this is, you know, that we've been taught to do this. Even yeah. do you remember these magazines when they say like who wore it the best and oh and, yeah and it's like they constantly get pitched against each other uh, and and this is creating really toxic mindset and so instead of doing that like changing that behavior and I think that would make a, a huge impact uh, around the world if we can look at it from a different angle I didn't I didn't know about sisterhood until until I. I think on, on social media, there was this trend going on about empowering, like women empowering women, because yeah. it's been conditioned into us to hate other women. Yeah, exactly. And and I yes. think that's also part of the problem, because I think that's why there's so much um, gossip and bitchiness between women, because women don't actually directly communicate with one another, because we've been conditioned to, um, our communication tends to be indirect. So when a woman does, like myself, directly communicate with another woman, I'm seen as the, oh my gosh, she's so intimidating, I can't talk to her. But yeah. they're not realising that just because I am a woman, it doesn't mean that I'm submissive and I'm going to take things. And I think a lot of women need to genuinely empower other women. So let's say if your favourite colour is red and my favourite colour is yellow, Yes, we believe in different things, but it doesn't mean that now I must hate you or you must hate me for believing in different things. Absolutely. Uh, and I think um, uh, another another thing that 
because we are taught to compare, we constantly we taught to be good girls and we taught to be in a certain way. And so we almost scared if we're being a bit different than and and someone else is uh, um, is it being the good girl. We feel that then we're, then we're doing something wrong. And so it's also about this condition that we need to be in a certain way instead of like it's okay to be, you know in your way <laughs> be you who you are yeah and being encouraging each other to be so um uh, and and that's okay I, I read this quote um that i also posted in my group i can't i don't know if you've seen it but if you compare yourself to others you will get bitter but if you compare yourself to yourself you will get better um and it's such a good way to see it like stop comparing like it's very hard, easy to compare yourself to others especially when you have this constant flow of media and, uh, and influence from social media and whatever but, yeah. but trying to face that out and just focus on you and and, and your own uh, development and then you will you will you you will feel much better about yourself too i mean like for my generation well i think I think I'll say my cousin's generation because she's a couple of years younger than me. Um, there's a lot of competition with like makeup, like who can wear the best makeup and what kind of products do you use? And it's it's kind of like um, it's it's quite silly at the same time. It's like girls just talking about nonsense. And I understand like, OK, fair enough. You're a makeup artist and you want to you don't compare to make yourself like, don't try to be sanctimonious about it. Like, do, do you know what I mean? I think yeah. if you're going, it's good to look at the world outside and look at other girls, um, look at the way other women wear their clothes and things like that. But it doesn't have, you don't have to belittle someone in order to empower yourself. No, exactly. And, you know, look at someone, if someone is successful and if someone, I don't know, wears an outfit you think is cool, see it as an inspiration see as that's what I do yeah not something that you need to beat um yeah I think it's a lack of role models as well I mean the fact that Kardashians is in people's makes me sad to my core and horrified um (laughs) I mean if you have uh, if if young women have uh, those popping up in their Instagram feed I mean no wonder if they uh, the, the insecurities and, and the values and and things uh, get a little bit lost in the way. Um, and so, so um, I think as well, like doing a spring clean of your Instagram account. You know, if you have people in your in your feed that is making you feel bad, remove them. If yeah, if, but and and add start following people that are empowering you and inspiring you instead, and that will you choose what get what you follow as well to a certain extent. So make sure that you follow people that make you feel good. I think um, for me, most of the belittlement, I've received a lot more belittlement from women than I have from men. Mm. And I think that's quite sad because as women, we should be supporting women. And even if it means um, that one woman wants to be a housewife that's completely fine and yeah. if another woman wants to have a career because I know I get I I do receive a lot of conflict from certain family members who say to me that oh if you're going to choose your career you're never going to have children and you're never going to be happy and I'm thinking to myself that you know if those things it's you know I'm not like your typical a South Asian girl who dreams about her wedding day. I just, 
I, I've never been that sort of person. I, I've always been interested in career and education and making sure that I am self-sufficient emotionally, spiritually, financially, so that I can be the best person possible and I can live to my truest potential. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you should you should walk the path that you want to walk um, and uh, no, no one should should push you into something that you don't want to do yeah and my and my role models um tend to be more of so people like Kamala Harris she's my role model um Pretty Patel she's my role model like when I see them I see myself yeah that's really good it's good to have role models like that I mean one of my uh, favorite like one of my role models is Jacinda Arden she's like my hero Uh, the second question is um, what what inspires you the most and gets you out of the day I think you've kind of answered that but if you want to elaborate on it you can (laughs) Um, yeah I think I go back to I think I just want to I really like making a positive impact in in people's life and I'm really um, I I love what I do Um, and so I'm really excited to get up in the morning and, and work on something that I love doing, but also will inspire and help others. So that definitely gets me out of bed. That's really good. I'm glad that you have your purpose set and it seems like you know what you're doing. And I feel like you do uh, create a positive impact on people. And the final question is, how can women like me find you and your work? Um, yeah, so my, my company's name is uh, Dermicology. So I have a website, which is mm-hmm. the uh, M-I-K-O-L-O-G-Y, Dermicology.com. Um, so definitely can contact me through there and find a little bit more about me and my program. But also I have an Instagram account called Dermicology. You can find me also on Facebook and on LinkedIn. Um, and also my name is Michaela Contreras. So if anyone wants to contact me directly in a private message, and that's also possible. Happy to connect and chat. Thank you so much for being a guest on my show. Thank you so much for having me again. I'm Savage Sonia and you've been listening to the Savage Sonia show. Please like the segment on Instagram. If you liked the podcast episode, please tag me on Instagram at SavageSonia underscore and on Twitter at SavageSonia1. Finally, if you haven't already, please head over to Apple Podcast and subscribe, rate and review this podcast. Until then, why be average when you can be savage? Thank you for listening.